So we're going to continue our series that we're looking at that we called The God Who Speaks. And we, we looked at uh, the law, we looked at the prophets, and today I want to take us on a journey to, to look at the scriptures as a whole, specifically the New Testament. And, and every Christmas we, we look at these stories that chronicle the birth of Jesus and the coming of God into the world in the form of a baby, if you will. And the, the story is so great, it's so amazing, but sometimes it becomes so familiar that it can be challenging not to grow accustomed to it. It can be challenging not to almost yawn at it. To lose a sense, of, a, really a sense of awe in what God did here. What He was communicating to the world and through His Son, through Jesus. That, that ultimately this baby came to die. And three days later to be resurrected. Why? Because God's creation had sinned. And they, they needed to be reconciled. There, a way had to be made for God's creation to be able to be reconciled to their, to their creator, to their God. And... and, and the coming of, of, of the Messiah, the coming of the Son of God into the world is so much more than just a mere historical fact. There, there is historicity in it, don't get me wrong. But it, but it was a message of hope. In the middle of everything that they were battling with then, in the middle of everything we're battling with now, in the midst of our sinfulness, it was a message of hope. And since the, the Son of God, since Jesus lived, since He died, since He reigns, since He's coming again, God's message, again, through Christmas, is, it's more than a historical fact. And I think sometimes we can relegate, even as Christians, just relegate it to something that we, we say happened. We don't deny it happened, but do we understand what happened? And if we're careful, if we're not careful... We, we miss the fact that every single detail surrounding Jesus' birth was designed specifically by God to prove that Jesus was indeed the Messiah. God, God is communicating to the world, here He is. This is the one. He, God is showing through, through Jesus and through His life, through His ministry, through His death, through His resurrection, that Jesus has every right to claim to be the Messiah. And what I want to show us today is, is, is that fact. I want us to look at, at, at specifically one word, and the word is fulfilled. We're going to look at passages that show that Jesus' birth, His ministry, His death, His resurrection were specifically designed to fulfill prophecy. To fulfill the words of the Old Testament saints. God speaking through them. This is how you'll know the Messiah has come. They fulfill numerous, some 300 plus Old Testament prophecies given centuries, centuries before they actually were fulfilled in Christ. The long-awaited Messiah was before them. The details surrounding His birth prove that. The details surrounding His ministry prove that. The details surrounding His death and burial and resurrection prove that. 
And, and that's really my hope in this series, is to show you the, not only the continuity of the Bible, but to, but to build our faith, to build our understanding that Jesus is the Messiah. The reality of Jesus. That He is the, the promised one. Not only to see the continuity of the Bible, but to, but to see the, the faithfulness of God in, in, in sending Jesus. That He is the fulfillment. And, and the valid test for, for proving that, if you will, or for putting that out, is truth. Did Jesus do what the Scripture said the Messiah would do? Does Jesus fulfill these promises, fulfill these prophecies of the Bible when they speak of the Savior? Does He fulfill these? Do the, do the deeds of Jesus, the words of Jesus, fulfill these? I, I'm here to tell you that the gospel writers most assuredly say yes. And that's what I want us to see today. We can't just walk out of here and just supposedly think we can be non-committal about who Jesus is. Either he is or he isn't. And, and, and we've got to realize that, the, again, the test of, who is, of, of Jesus is really a test of the Scriptures themselves. I, 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 I mean, I've heard preachers say it. It doesn't matter what the Scriptures say. What, what, is, what does history say? No, it matters what the Scriptures say. It matters, I would argue it matters to me more what this says than what the 500 people say who saw Jesus resurrected. Did God say his son would be resurrected? Yes, I take it. Done. It matters greatly what these scriptures say. More than what men say. And the integrity of the scriptures really are, are at stake here. So I want to take us on a journey. We've looked at the Old Testament, and again, we've taken these things in huge chunks. We're going to look at the, the New Testament today to, to hopefully prove to you that Jesus, again, to, to assure your faith, maybe even to establish your faith, maybe by God's grace, God opens your eyes today and, and, and initiates your faith in Christ as the Savior. But the main point, you'll see it on your handout there, is this, that Jesus is the promised Messiah whom the entire Scriptures point to and are fulfilled in. Jesus is the promised Messiah. And He is the one whom the entire Scriptures are fulfilled in and point to. L l turn with me to John 5. It'll show up on the screens, I hope. John 5, verse 39. We'll look at verse 39 and 40 here. Jesus is speaking here. He has begun his ministry, if you will, and John is, is giving us account of that. Jesus has claimed uh, equality with, with God here in the middle portion of chapter 3. And, and he's, he's giving a witness of John, the witness of works, the witness of the Father. Again, Jesus is proving putting before them, you make your decision. Do I do, am I who the Scriptures say the Messiah would be? What He would say, what He would do, how He would appear. And in verse 39, He says this, You search the Scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. 
it is these that testify about me. And you are unwilling to come to me so that you may have life. Again, what is Jesus saying there? Jesus, again, I'm laying all my cards out on the front end because I, I believe Jesus did that. The entire scriptures, they're a testimony. It's I'm the one. They're about me. They testify about me. In Luke chapter 4, verse verse 18 through 20, Jesus says the same thing. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery to the sight of the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. And He closed the book gave it back to the attendant, sat down, and the eyes of all the synagogue were fixed on him, and he began to say, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Again, that, that's the key word. I, I would encourage you to underline that word every time you see it this morning. Fulfilled. Jesus is saying, these scriptures pointed to me. In your presence is the fulfillment of these scriptures. Look, turn over to Matthew chapter 1 as we begin this journey. And, and I, I want us to see, first of all, that all the events, you'll see it in your handout, surrounding Jesus' entrance into the world were sovereignly orchestrated by God to communicate to the world that Jesus is the Messiah, His entrance. Look at Matthew chapter 1, verse 22. We'll start reading in verse, verse 18 just to, to get the context. We, we'll, we'll read the story. It's Christmas. Let's read the story. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And here it is. Listen to what Matthew says. Now all of this took place to what? Fulfill. There it is again. What was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Again, behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they will call his name Emmanuel. You can go to Isaiah 7.14 and see that. You can go to Isaiah 9.6 and see that. You can go to Micah and see that. In, in chapter 2, look, look, turn over to chapter 2, verse 15. E, even, even his, his, okay, the virgin birth, the city of Bethlehem, even his fleeing to Egypt. Not an accident. So Joseph got up, took the child and his mother. Herod has said, I'm going to kill all the babies. Joseph got up, took the child and his mother while it was still night, and left for Egypt. He remained there until the death of Herod. Why? This was to fulfill what had been spoken of by the Lord through the prophet. Out of Egypt, I called my son. You can go to Hosea 11.1 and see that. Out of Egypt, I will call my son. Go over to chapter, verse 23 of chapter 2. They, they returned from Egypt. Then after being warned there and got in a dream, he left for the regions of Galilee. 
and came and lived in a city called Nazareth. Why? This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophets. He shall be a Nazarene. Everything about Jesus' entrance into this world, everything about his early life was purposed by God sovereignly to tell the world, this is the Messiah. This is the long-awaited one. This is to fulfill what your prophets foretold about the Messiah. God is telling the world through the events surrounding his entrance into the world. Here he is. Here he is. Go, go, back to, go back to your Old Testament. What does it say about the entrance of the Messiah? Does Jesus fit the mold? The answer is yes. Virgin birth, Bethlehem, fleeing to Egypt, being called a Nazarene, all of that sovereignly orchestrated by, by a faithful God to tell you, here he is, here's the Messiah. But not only his entrance, you see there be, all of Jesus' life and ministry were sovereignly orchestrated to com- by God to communicate to the world that Jesus is the Messiah. And again, connecting Jesus to the Old Testament and its continuity, if you want to, you can turn to Isaiah 35, verses 5 and 6. We mentioned this briefly uh, last week, I believe, as we looked at the prophets, but, but Isaiah Listen to what he says in Isaiah chapter 35, verses 3 through 6, specifically 5 and 6, but we'll start in verse 3. Encourage the exhausted and strengthen the feeble. This is good news. Say to those with anxious heart, take courage, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. The recompense of God will come, but he will say and he will save you. Listen, the eyes of the blind will be opened. The ears of the deaf will be unstopped. The lame will leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute will shout for joy. So Isaiah is saying, this is how you'll tell, specifically, look, when you'll know that this is the Messiah. The, The blind will see, the deaf will hear, the lame will walk. Those who cannot speak will speak. He's almost saying, hey, here's a clue. This is what's going to give them away. I mean, those would be pretty obvious clues, right? I mean, if, if these aren't just subtle little clues. Hey, this, this guy has been, John 9, this guy has been, been paralyzed his whole, or what is he, blind his whole life. I'm trying to put them all together. Blind his whole life. All of a sudden, this man now sees. You go to John 9, you see the stir that caused. And they're arguing with themselves, hey, why, why, why was this man born blind? Did his parents sin? Did he sin? What was the answer? Jesus said, no, that man was born blind for this moment right here. That I would give him sight. That I would give him sight. That you'd understand who's before you. Even John the Baptist, and you say, well, you know, this is, very, this is pointed even to us today, John the Baptist is sitting in prison. He's, he's, he's foretold of the Messiah, and John the Baptist is sitting in prison wondering, have I missed something? You can understand his confusion. He's prepared the way for the Messiah. He has ushered in seemingly God's kingdom, the promised one. 
He's been faithful, if you will, and now he's sitting in prison. In, in John's mind, it's not adding up. And, and John the Baptist sends his, his, his friends, and listen, he says to go to Jesus and just make sure, are you the Messiah or should we be looking for another one? Go to Matthew 11 to see this. Are you the Messiah or should we be looking for another? When Jesus had finished, verse 1, giving instructions to the twelve disciples, he parted to te- departed to teach and preach in their cities. When John, while imprisoned, heard of the works of Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the expected one or shall we look for someone else? And listen how Jesus answered him. He didn't answer him, yes. He didn't answer him, no. Listen to how he answered him in a better way. Look at what he says in verse 4. Go and report to John what you hear and what you see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who does not take offense to these, to me. What does he say to John? You tell me, John. You you know what the Old Testament says. You, you You know what the Old Testament said the proofs of the Messiah would be. You know what he's saying to John? Look around you. What do you see? Are those fulfilled in me? Respond. Respond. You see the same, you see the same in, in Luke chapter, chapter 7, verses, verses 18 through 23. John's asking the same question, and they say to him, go tell him what you see. Jesus says, go tell him the lame walk, the blind see, the deaf hear, the mute speak. I, I'm certain if we, if we were, listen... If we were in John's situation, in many of our situations, maybe some of you, I, I was telling Karen last week, it was, it, and I, I'm, I can be overly sensitive to this, and, 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 and you know, I, I've said before, one of the things that has, has surprised me in being a lead pastor, people say, what's the difference between being a lead pastor and being the recreation pastor? I, I would say the weight. I, I know too much. And, and, it was one thing after another this week. Whether it was the Martins, 24-year-old daughter rushed in for emergency brain surgery for a massive tumor on her head. Alicia's dad wondering if his, he has infections in his knee replacement. Karen got a call from her friend that their, that their teenage son may have lymphoma. I was like, Karen, don't, just don't answer the phone anymore. Stop answering the phone. But, but my mind goes back to the scriptures. We have our king. And there's a kingdom promise where none of that stuff is going to happen again. Never. And sometimes in our own minds, we're, when we're going through what we're going through and the battling, you, 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 let's be honest, you ask yourself, I feel like the, I feel like the father sometimes in, Matt, in Mark 9, where he says, if you believe, your son will be healed. And the father said something very honest, I think if we were honest, he said, Lord, I believe, 
Help my unbelief. Help my unbelief, Lord. And you start getting these calls one after another. And, and, and my struggle, here's my struggle. I'm a people pleaser. I want to be able to fix it. Here's what I have to offer you, Jesus. That's the hope. And the most important question that you and I are going to have to battle, you and I are going to have to answer is this. Jesus, are you the one the Old Testament told us about? Are you the Messiah or should we be looking for another? And again, Jesus didn't answer the question simply with a yes or with a no. And sometimes you and I, don't, if we're honest, we like, would you just answer the question yes or no? No, no, no. Faith. Faith. What do you see, John? What do you see going around, John? Go back to Isaiah 35. Go back to the scriptures. Does my ministry line up with the scriptures? That's the question for all of us. Faith. John, you're sitting in prison. Some of you are sitting in circumstances, and, and I promise you, if you're, if you're normal, you might be wondering, and here's what I would encourage you. Go to the Scriptures. Jesus is the one. Compare the prophecies in the Old Testament with the deeds and the declarations that Jesus has done. Measure Jesus to the Word of God. Does He meet the standard? The, and the answer is yes. Does He do what the Old Testament said the Messiah would do? Does He bring what He said He would bring? Yes. And Jesus' assurance is, you see it on your hand now, to John that Jesus is the Messiah. Where did they come from? The Word of God. The Word of God. You know what he said? No, you know what he'd be saying to you and, you and me today? Know the Scriptures. Know the Scriptures. You know, the, the, again, we'll get to it in a minute. Romans, 14, four, Romans 15, 4 says, These things, these Scriptures have been written to you so that you would have hope. Know the Word of God. Jesus fulfilled the word of God and the prophecies concerning the Messiah from the Old Testament. And that's exactly how Jesus answers in, in Matthew 11. And he says, basically, he, who, he, he, he is blessed if he does not take offense to me. That I claim to be the Messiah. And, and how you and I respond to Jesus lies at the crux of the matter. The, the proof, again, the evidence is there. How will you respond? They had seen, again, in John 9, they had seen blind men have sight. Matthew 9, they heard those who were mute speak. Matthew 8, they had seen the lame walk. Luke 17, they had seen the lepers be cleansed. Mark 7, they had seen the deaf begin to hear. John 11 with Lazarus, and, and they had seen the dead come back to life. And Jesus says, you tell me. What, what do the scriptures say about me? 
Know the word. And this is what we learn here regarding Jesus' life. You see it on the handout. Jesus was not haphazardly doing things. He is purposefully showing them that he is indeed the Messiah, the Lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world, that he is the promised one. Why those miracles? Why are they recorded? Why did they happen? To prove that Jesus is the Messiah, that we would believe. And everything about Jesus' life testifies to him being the Messiah, that he is fulfilling prophecy concerning the life of the Messiah. If you want to write some of these passages down in your notes, off to the side for further study, write down Matthew 3, 3. Look what it says. It says, For this is the one referred to by Isaiah the prophet when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Make ready the way of the Lord, make straight its paths. Again, go back to the Old Testament. Write down Matthew 4, 14. This was to fulfill what was spoken through Isaiah the prophet. Write down Matthew 8, 17. This was to fulfill what was spoken through Isaiah the prophet. Write down Matthew 13, 14. This was to fulfill the prophecy of Isaiah. Write down Matthew 21, verse 4. Write down Luke 4, 21. Luke 21, 22. Write down John 12, 38, John 15, 25, John 17, 12. All of these simply say this, that Jesus Christ fulfilled what was told of the Messiah. He is the promised one. His life and ministry purposefully evidenced that he was the Messiah. But not only his birth, not only his life and ministry, all the events surrounding his crucifixion and resurrection were sovereignly orchestrated by God to prove that Jesus is the Messiah. God, again, God is telling us as clearly as he can, again, it's going to boil down to faith, but he's putting forth a lot of evidence here to say, this is the Messiah. Listen to Matthew twenty-six fifty-six. Starting in verse 55, at that time, Jesus said to the crowds, Have you come out with swords and clubs to arrest me as you would against a robber? Every day I used to sit in the temple teaching and you did not seize me. But listen, but all this has ha taken place to fulfill the scriptures of the prophets. Then all the disciples left him and fled. You turn over to Mark 14, verse 49. Same thing. It's the same thing. Each day I was sitting with you in the temple teaching, and you did not seize me, but this, why now? To fulfill the Scriptures. Again, connecting it to the Old Testament. You go back to Isaiah 53, that the Messiah would be a suffering servant, that he would be pierced for our transgressions, that he would be wounded for our iniquities. That he would ultimately die. Jesus himself said, destroy this temple, and three days later, you know what? I'll raise it up. Why? To fulfill. This is the proof. Jesus is the Messiah. You can go as well. You can write these down. You can look at Luke 22, verse 37. Again, his arrest and crucifixion and burial 
and, and resurrection all fulfill Scripture. Luke twenty two thirty seven, Luke twenty four forty four through forty seven. All again, l- listen to Luke twenty four. He says it was about the sixth hour. Oh, that's wrong. That's Luke twenty three. Luke twenty four forty four. Now he said to them, these are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all the things that are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms, what? Must be fulfilled. This is the resurrected Christ speaking there. You can go to John 19 verse 24 and see it. You can go to John 19 28 and see it. You can go to John 19, 36 and see it. You can go to Mark 15, 28. You can go to Acts 1, 6. Acts 3, 18. Acts 13, verses 27 through 29. My point is this. So many scriptures, what are they doing? The the disciples are making it very clear. This is the Messiah. Their entire life and ministry of the disciples were built on the fact that Jesus was the Messiah. Everything about their life was built on the reality that he is the Messiah. And I think this is at least in part, and I've been mulling over this passage for weeks now. This is why Jesus, at least in part in Matthew 5, 17 through 18, could say not not even the smallest part of the scriptures would pass away until they were fulfilled. Not abolished, fulfilled. Jesus says, I did not come to abolish the law. I came to fulfill the law. I'm not an opponent to the law. Again, we saw the law was good. The law was gr- had grace. I came to, to, to fulfill it. What Jesus is saying is that, again, the Old Testament is truthful. The Old Testament can be trusted that, that Jesus himself was the theme of the Old Testament, who everything points to. Again, we saw it in Colossians chapter 2 that Jesus is the substance that casts the shadow that we saw in all these other things. And Jesus repeatedly is saying, listen, I'm the theme of the whole thing. I'm, I'm what the scriptures are about. I'm who they are pointing to. I have come, even in John 1, why did I come? To reveal to you God. I have revealing the Father. I'm, I'm the promised one. Look to no other. In Luke 24, verse 27, he says the same thing. The beginning, then beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, Jesus explained to them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. Now understand, when he says that, we're talking Old Testament. So be careful, like we said last week, be careful unhitching your wagon from the Old Testament too soon. Because the irony is that Jesus seems to be quick to hitch his wagon to the Old Testament. It validates who he is. And, and listen, I mean, listen, listen, as I want to walk you through the Old Testament real quick. And, and I don't want to oversimplify this, but I hope it's a blessing. I don't want to, I'm not trying to stretch the word. I'm not trying to abuse the word. I think you know my heart, but, but just showing you that Jesus is the Messiah. He is the one who fulfills the scriptures. In Genesis, G, again, Jesus is the seed of the woman who is promised that would one day crush Satan. In Exodus, Jesus is the Passover lamb. 
In Leviticus, Jesus is the high priest. In Numbers, Jesus is the pillar of cloud and fire by day and night. In Deuteronomy, he's the perfect prophet that Moses wasn't. In Joshua, he's the captain of our salvation. In Judges, he's the judge and the lawgiver. In Ruth, he's the kinsman redeemer. In 1 and 2 Samuel, Jesus is the trusted prophet. In Kings and Chronicles, he's the true king. In Ezra, he is the faithful scribe. In Nehemiah, he is ultimately the rebuilder of the broken wall. In Esther, he is the Mordecai. In Job, he is the the living redeemer. In Psalms, Jesus is the true shepherd. In Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, Jesus is our perfect wisdom. In Song of Solomon, he is the perfect bride. Or groom, so excuse me. In Isaiah, he's the prince of peace. In Jeremiah, in Lamentations, he is the weeping prophet. In Ezekiel, he's the wonderful covenant. In Daniel, he's the man in the fiery furnace with the three. In Hosea, he's the eternal husband married to an unfaithful bride. In Joel, he's the baptizer of the Holy Spirit. In Amos, he's the burden bearer. In Obadiah, Obadiah, he's the savior. In Jonah, he is the great foreign missionary. In Micah, he's the messenger with beautiful feet. In Nahum, he's the avenger. In Habakkuk, he's God is the one pleading for revival. In Zephaniah, he is the Lord who is mighty to save. In Haggai, he is the restorer of the lost heritage. In Zechariah, he's the fountain. And in Malachi, he is the son of righteousness. All those things point to Christ. Fulfilled in Christ. He is the one. That, that's, what the, that's what the scriptures are, are proclaiming, what the writers of the gospel are proclaiming. This is the Messiah. This is the promised one. And in Hebrews 7, verse 18, it says, For on the one hand, again, we talked about it last week, Christ offering that, that better covenant, if you will, that perfect new covenant. For on the one hand, there is an annulling of the former commandment because of the weakness and unprofitable of us. Remember, we talked about the flesh. For the law made nothing perfect. On the other hand, there is the bringing of a better hope through which we draw near to God. What the law could not do, what you and I could not do, Jesus Christ has done for us. He's the substance to which the shadows pointed. He is the promised one. That is what the writers of Scripture, are, and even Jesus himself, is trying to proclaim clearly that I am the Messiah. And for us, again, everyone who claims to be the Messiah, they're going to have to measure up to the prophecy, to the standards that the Word of God set forth for the Messiah. And the Scriptures are the barometer for measuring Again, is this the Messiah? Jesus said, you measure me. You tell me. You look at the evidence. And what I want us to walk out of here today confident is this, is that only Jesus meets the standards. He's the Messiah. He claimed to be himself. If he's not, he's, again, the whole C.S. Lewis liar, lunatic, or Lord. 
again, you see it on your handout, whether or not Jesus is the Messiah is a matter of truth. It's not a matter of mere preference. It's not a matter of mere opinion. It's a matter of truth. If he's not, then he's a liar. And, and, I, and I was reading, I, I've shared this before, but I was reminded this last couple of weeks I was reading just the, the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of fulfilled prophecy in Scripture concerning Jesus. I mean, we've looked at a few. And there's a mathematician smarter than me. His name is Peter Stoner. He's a scientist in the area of mathematical probabilities. That just means he's smarter than I am. I, I, try, I was in my daughter's class the other day trying to do math the way they were trying to tell them how to do math. I had no clue how to do math the way they were trying to tell them how to do math. But he, he says this. Listen to what he says. He says, suppose the statistical probability of Jesus fulfilling just eight... Now, this is for eight prophecy. He fulfilled over 300 prophecy, but just eight, okay? He says, suppose you took silver dollars and you laid them over the entire state of Texas so that they cover the state of Texas two feet deep, okay, two feet deep. Suppose you marked one of those silver dollars. As you were doing that, you marked one of those silver dollars with a, let's just put an X on it. And you hid it. And then you took a man and blindfolded him, or a woman, doesn't matter. Took, took somebody, blindfolded him. And you set him free in the middle of Texas. And you said, you get one guess. You get one try to find the silver dollar. What chance would you give that person of finding that silver dollar? None. Peter Stoner mathematically said that Jesus fulfilling simply eight of those Old Testament prophecies given hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before his birth. He says the statistical probability of that is, is 1 times 10 to the 17th power. That's 1 with 17 zeros after it. I think you have a 1 in like 15,000 chance odds of getting struck by lightning today, just to give you a comparison. And yet the Bible, that's, that's eight. That's eight fulfilled prophecies that one man would fulfill just eight prophecies that were given 300 years prior to him. And the Bible gives us over 300. The point is this, you, you tell me. The, the, the takeaway that I, I would beg for all of us, for me, for you, the, the, the takeaway, again, when, when I'm on the phone with Linda Martin Thursday night, she doesn't know what tomorrow is going to look like with a 24-year-old daughter. Here's the takeaway, Jesus. Faith. That, that's the takeaway. John in chapter 20, verses 20 through 31, he says, I, Therefore, there were many other things that Jesus performed, many other signs, many other proofs in the presence of the disciples. He says, But these have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that in believing you may have life in his name. Faith. Belief. 
Romans 15, 4, we quoted it early. God has given you the scriptures, the whole Old Testament. He's given you the scriptures for us, the New Testament and the Old. Why? That you would have hope. That you'd look back time and time again, time and time again. Here's what you would see. God is faithful. That, that, that not only was he faithful to fulfill the waiting of those Old Testament saints, you think about Zechariah, you think about John the Baptist's parents. When Jesus was born and he holds him up and he says, This is the one we've been waiting for. God was faithful. Some of you in here are waiting. Matter of fact, all of us Christians are ultimately waiting. But some of you are waiting for something specific. God is faithful. That's the takeaway, faith. I was reminded yesterday of 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. Paul writes this. He says he was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher. For this reason, he says in verse 12, I also suffer these things, but I am not ashamed. Listen, why? For I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted him until that day. That's the takeaway. That you would know who you believe. And that you would be convinced that he is able to guard you until that day. To guard what you have entrusted him. I, I thought about Romans 9 verse 33 this week. It says, it says Behold, I lay in Zion a stone of stumbling and a rocket of offense. And yet this, he who believes in Christ will not be disappointed. In chapter 10, verse 11, he says the same thing. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. No matter how long you wait, no matter how long it takes, here's what, here's what Christmas reminds us, that God is faithful. That he who hopes in Christ will not be disappointed. Trust the word. God has set it up so that we, have to, we are going to have to believe by faith so that no one could boast on any level. He's given us tons of proof, and here's what he says. Believe. Believe. The righteous, Habakkuk 2.4, the righteous shall live by faith. Romans 1, the righteous shall live by faith. Hebrews 11.6, without faith it is impossible to please God, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Faith faith that we would singularly put all of our hope in christ and you see that salvation is found in jesus alone that's the point not in hedging our bets all in the word belief there means to lean your entire weight upon what god is saying to us is that christ is the one he's the one look at the evidence christ the messiah if Jesus isn't the Messiah, if he isn't the expected one, then we're still in our sins. And listen, we need to be looking for something else. We need to be considering what the world is offering, unless Jesus is the one. And that's what you see the last handout. It's the beauty of what Jesus proves. And what I've tried to do today, we don't have to look any further. We have in Jesus our Messiah, the long-awaited one. John was sitting in a prison cell wondering... Again, but for many of us, there are circumstances where we may be wondering. As you battle cancer, you might be tempted to wonder, should I look for another? 
as your parents battle cancer, as your kids, as your, as your loved ones sit in ICU, as you face serious illness and threat, at, at the day by, even the day-by-day battle, you may be tempted to wonder, are you, Jesus, are you the Messiah or should I look for another? And here's the proof of Scripture. Jesus is the one. Look no further. Jesus is the one. Look no further. Look at the evidence. Over 300 prophecies fulfilling the Old Testament. Jesus, believe on Jesus. He, he, he says, I, I have come to fulfill the Scriptures. Look at my life. The, the most important question that you can battle with this Christmas, who is Jesus? And I pray, believer, that we would walk out of here with confident faith. No matter what we face, no matter what the world throws at us, no matter what we're, how we're persecuted, no matter how our loved ones or even ourselves. I, Karen and I watched last night a movie, uh, same kind of different as me. And some of you may have seen that movie, but I, I was very grateful, convicted, but very grateful. And, and hear my heart here. For a movie to be uh, very honest about Christianity because it didn't work out well for her from an earthly standpoint. I, I don't, you may have may not seen the movie, but I don't want to blow it, but she dies. Okay? I'm just forgive me. But but here's a lady who believed in the Lord, whose husband was unfaithful. She forgave him and did the hard work who walked with him in his own sanctification as he was trying to catch up to her. Every day, this is a lady who was immensely wealthy, and every day she served in a homeless shelter. She gave up her life for others. And unfortunately, she got cancer, and she died. I think she was like 57 years old or something like that. And here's what I was grateful for. Here's the reality, guys. It may not always work out well for us on this side of eternity. And we, we mourn the loss of a loved one this, every Christmas. We're reminded, our family. Every Christmas, you're reminded. Here's the hope. Those who trust in Jesus will not ultimately be disappointed. And whether you're a middle schooler, high schooler, mom, dad, single, hope in Christ. Put all your eggs in that basket. There's coming a day, I promise you, you will not be disappointed.